This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, you might be looking forward to June 21st, 22nd, because that is the start of summer. You might also be looking forward to it because, as you know, June 22nd is when the legislature is being recalled in Victoria. What we don't know is exactly how things are going to unfold from that moment forward. Well, Martin Brown has written extensively about this. Martin Brown is a former chief of staff to B.C. Premier Gordon Campbell. He is also a former deputy minister of tourism, trade and investment. Uh, he has served uh, the B.C. Liberals public uh, as the public campaign direct, uh, director uh, for many, many years. And he joins us now on the line to talk a bit more about this. Uh, Martin Brown, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Uh, you, you wrote a, a piece about this, and it starts with a knock-knock joke, which is, is funny if it just wasn't so sad. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and uh, listeners can go to the Georgia State and, and read the whole long, torturous article, but it's, uh, it is a very, very, uh, sad situation we've got ourselves into with, with, uh, this tight election result that actually produces a one-seat majority for the NDP and the Greens, of course, and, uh, out of that, we somehow have to get a speaker. So the question is, of course, who's gonna be the speaker? Uh, will it be one of the NDP or Green members, which would, would effectively, uh, say, uh, for many matters that would reduce the, the legislature to a tie? Uh, or is it going to be a liberal? Are they going to do step up and do the right and honorable thing and 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 put uh, Linda Reed or somebody up as the speaker as they should? Now, when you say the right and honorable thing, why why is that? Well, I mean, you know, ordinarily, and I think Mike DeYoung, uh, the government house leader, said this. You know, ordinarily, the government has a responsibility to put up the speaker, but ordinarily, we don't have a, a legislature that that will be a forty four to forty three member uh, legislature, which is what we have right now, right? So, like, we have an obligation, I think, to to say we want to have some stability. The public doesn't want to go back to the election, uh, you know, to have another snap election right away. Uh, and it doesn't want to be uh, in a situation where the government can't enact anything because every vote would be a tie. So the real question is, how do you get the speaker uh, appointed? We don't want, presumably, a, a speaker who's a partisan speaker who's taking part in every vote, having to vote for the government, which will be the only option if the Liberals uh, aren't cooperative. Uh, so if the liberal, Liberals want to be obstinate and they don't want to be cooperative, they can force the NDP to put up a speaker, and essentially they'll be deliberately saying we're going to be uh, into a period of instability, uncertainty, and the speaker, we're, we're intent on making a partisan uh, who will be voting on virtually every bill, on every uh, vote of confidence, instead of what now happens where they rarely vote at all. They only vote to break ties, right? Mm-hmm. But every vote would be a tie if the Liberals didn't play ball. So so uh, my article uh, really points out there is a better way, uh, but it does oblige Christy Clark to not be so bloody partisan uh, and to do the responsible thing, and that is to move B.C., to the uh, the model that they have in the United Kingdom that Australia is now embracing, and in, and in that model, Joe, it's it's uh, it's different because the speaker does not vote. The speaker's nonpartisan. The speaker stays out of it, uh, and all parties agree on that. Uh, and in return, all parties say, "Well, we won't run a candidate against you, the speaker." Uh, for example, the speaker in the United Kingdom has been there since 2009. Just got reelected with 65% support. Uh, and, you know, only got had to run against third parties like the Green Party and others that, that weren't part of that uh, agreement in the legislature. But if we did that in in BC, what you'd have is a legislature that had a non-part 
bipartisan neutral speaker that did not vote. Uh, that would be a you know a, a liberal speaker presumably, um, and you you would then have a majority that would would essentially say there'd be forty four new Democrats and Greens and forty two voting Liberals uh, that that would uh, provide a stable government uh, as we need for the next year or two or three at least in British Columbia. Uh, but so then, why wouldn't it be the right and honorable thing? Because the the BC Liberals are still the government right now today uh, as the outcome of the last election. Uh, Why would it not be the right and honourable thing for the Greens and the NDP to perhaps not have formed a coalition or for one of them to offer up a speaker and have stability that way? Because that's not really democracy. Democracy is majority rules, and the majority in this case are committed to an agenda uh, that is the opposite of what the Liberals want to achieve, right? So 44 out of the, out of the 87 members all have signed on to an unprecedented uh, pact that say, this is, this is what we uh, want to achieve. This is what 60% of the public voted for, uh, which is a new government, and we're intent on bringing that about. Uh, that's the, you know, parliamentary tradition, the only thing that then has to be resolved is, well, how do we have a speaker? So sure, they could put up a speaker, and that would oblige the speaker with a one-seat majority to say in every single vote, well, I'll be having to vote with the government, in every single vote I'll be having to take sides, uh, because otherwise you would just have uh, a tied parliament. Nothing could be passed, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think British Columbians want that. I don't think they want a speaker uh, to be voting on every single bill, to be voting every time there's a vote of confidence, because the government of the day right now, who's going to be you know, uh, going into opposition very shortly, won't do uh, a reasonable thing. Uh, which is which is a reasonable thing is to say, look, you know, 44 members want a different government. We're going to have a new government. Our job is to be cooperative in that. And, and I'll tell you, there's another reason why the Liberals should want to do that. They should want to put up one of their own members as a speaker, not only to have stability. They shouldn't want to go to the polls uh, because they'll be killed if they go to if they force a new election because they won't be responsible by by allowing one of their members to be a speaker. I think they're going to be killed. But but that aside, you know, they have an interest in having a speaker in opposition who's who's actually neutral and more receptive to their arguments because that's another problem with the current system right now. The speaker always sides with the government on procedural matters and the like, um, which is really, really hard often for the opposition to get fair play and, and to get a fair hearing. And, and that's why Australia and, and uh, the UK have long uh, gone to this other model of a neutral speaker, which the Liberals and the NDP and the Greens, you know, I'm surprised nobody is standing up right now and saying, actually, we like that model. Let's go to that model like the mother parliament has. Is it really a, a recipe for stability, though, even if things were to play out that way and the Liberals offered up the speaker and then we have the, the Greens and the NDP taking power with their power agreement. Uh, We're talking about a one-seat majority. We're talking about a scenario where if someone misses a flight, someone misses a ferry, someone doesn't show up one day, the government could tumble if there was a confidence vote. Is that really a stable government? Well, actually, that's that's uh, a misnomer. It's it's uh, actually two things would happen, Jill. You would actually then have a two seat majority because the speaker would be a liberal who would be not voting. Uh, so that would mean there'd be instead of forty three voting liberals, there'd be forty two voting liberals, and you'd, there'd be forty four voting NDP and Green members. So it would be more stable because there'd be a two seat majority. Um, but but that aside, you know, it's really mistaken. I think uh, the, the media coverage of this hasn't been very clear. I think just because the government loses a vote of confidence, uh, 
doesn't mean that the government falls necessarily. Many, many examples of that. Again, my article points out how in Ottawa that happened repeatedly uh, under Paul Martin's uh, government in Ottawa. It's happened many, many times, in fact. The only time the government falls from a lost confidence vote if it, is if it was deliberate, right? It, you know, if it's an accidental vote because, say, a Green or an NDP member was sick or got waylaid because of fog on the, on the wrong side of the water, uh, all they would do is re-vote when the Greens and, and the NDP were there, if it was their intention all along to keep the government in power. But, you know, you don't, you don't actually defeat the government because of a lost vote of confidence on a bill um, that the opposition says is a vote of confidence because they can see at that moment they've got one more person in the legislature. Uh, that isn't the way it works. It, it never has worked that way. Uh, and it's a fallacy to believe that if you lose it because, you know, as one newspaper said, gee, uh, you know, if a person has diarrhea, the, the, the government could fall. Well, that's just ridiculous. Uh, the government only goes down if the, the 44 members that right now form the majority, uh, some of them decide, no, we don't want that anymore. So sure, if the Greens ever change their mind, the three Greens, instantly the government would fall. Uh, that would happen anyways. But but with the model I'm talking about, with a, with a two-seat majority in the legislature, it would be more stable. Uh, and the only way the government would fall is if the Greens changed their mind, broke their agreement or changed their agreement and said, we want to bring down the government. Uh, they wouldn't do it by an accidental vote of non-confidence. Uh, but that in itself, too, when we have issues coming forward like Site C, when we have issues coming forward uh, about uh, daycare, we have issues about road pricing. Uh, is there not, when we talk about the stability, uh, that's where I think a lot of people are are to, of the mind. It's not all that stable. One argument between this new bromance and things are going to fall apart. Well, no, because the agreement, if you read the agreement that the Greens and the NDP have signed, they've, they've, they've signed all 44 members, not just the parties, but each and every one of those 44 MLAs have, have signed on to an agreement that they've committed to the public and to the lieutenant governor. They're duty-bound to follow. And that's what they call a supply and confidence agreement, just like what we saw like the, in the U.K. right now. Uh, May has just formed an agreement with, with, uh, with the party in, in uh, the, the Union State. Democratic Party in, in Northern Ireland to do exactly the same thing. It, it means that the Greens are free under that agreement to vote against the government on legislation that they don't like. So, you know, on, on some bills, probably the Greens will side with the Liberals and will say, you know, no, we don't agree with you, government, and, and that that legislation will go down to defeat. But it doesn't mean on, on policies that both parties are committed to, uh, to following. And that agreement, as you know, is full of all sorts of policies. Policies that both parties are agreed uh, to pursue together. They're, 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 the government's committed to unprecedented consultation with the Greens and, and formulating policy and even communicating it. But, but even if you know one of the, uh, the the policies goes down because the Greens vote against it, that doesn't bring the government down. The only thing that would bring the government down would be as if the if the Green Party. Uh, backed out of its agreement and said, notwithstanding the agreement, we're not going to support your budget uh, and and we're going to vote non-confidence deliberately. That's not going to happen uh, in this current budget because they're forming the budget with uh, with consultation together.
All right, Martin, we need to take a short break, but we are sure. going to continue uh, talking with uh, Martin Brown, former chief of staff to uh, Premier, former Premier Gordon Campbell. We'll also take your calls if you have a question for Martin Brown about how things are unfolding in Victoria. You can give us a call on the open line, star 9898 or 604-331-9898. Back with Martin Brown and your calls right after this. We are speaking with Martin Brown, former chief of staff to Gordon Campbell. We've opened up the phone lines as well. If you have a question and you would like to put that question forward, you're free to call in, star 9898 or 604-604-2809898. I want to go back, uh, Martin Brown, you've written extensively about this uh, in the Georgia Strait, uh, about uh, what should happen, what could happen uh, come June 22nd. When we talk about stability, though, when we talk about the government, uh, does it not seem a little bit one-sided to say it is now the Liberals should do this to to support stability? Uh, If we go back a little bit, and maybe it was a lack of of bringing anything to the table when those negotiations were going on. Uh, But if we're talking about stability, should it not have been up to either the NDP or the Greens to support the government that was voted in with the minority, which is the Liberals? Well, of course not. No, the NDP and the Greens had, the, the Greens were the balance of power, as you know, and the Greens had an option to go with the Liberals, and the Liberals basically said, uh, we're not willing to do anything close to what it would take to bring you on side. So that's the way it works in, in uh, governments. In the UK right now, we've got one party that is keeping the government and party in power in in power uh, because it agrees with its agenda. That that party didn't go to the other uh, the parties, the Labour Party and the others that voted against the, the governing Tories uh, because it just ideologically wasn't on uh, their side. And, and that's what happened with the Greens. What you have right now, though, in, in Victoria is you have a situation where one party, the, the governing party, got two more seats with essentially a tied vote, won 1,566 you know, uh, more votes than, than the next closest party. But the other two parties that are in lockstep with what they want to do, that want to form the government, they won over 300,000 more votes together. They won two more or one more seat combined than that, than that other party. That's democracy. That's how you put together a minority government. So, no, we don't have a majority government. There was no obligation on the Greens uh, or on the NDP to support the, the government in power when they ran against it and, and when they both want to replace the government and have agreed on how to do that. Uh, we're hearing from people, though, that say, uh, I was a liberal, I voted green this time around, I never expected this to happen, I didn't vote for this coalition, I didn't vote for this power deal. Well, if you voted green, by definition, you voted for the balance of power, because nobody in their right mind believed the Greens were going to form the government. No one, right? So there was always the prospect that the Greens were going to hold the balance of power in a minority government. That was the main thing they were holding out in the election campaign. And if anybody read the Green platform, listened to what Andrew Weaver or the Green Party candidates were saying, they couldn't possibly think that they would support the Liberals, because the Liberals' platform and policies are anathema to the Greens. Every single thing they're for the liberals are against and uh, whether it's on climate action or kinder morgan or daycare or or uh, carbon taxes every single policy plank the liberals were against uh even on campaign finance reform reform and banning big money which the liberals 
you know, at the 11th hour, faced with losing power, said, okay, well, we'll finally do that. They ran against that, though. Uh, they ran against electoral reform that the Greens and the NDP are both committed to with proportional representation. So, like, it's ridiculous to think that anybody who voted for the Greens said, geez, I, re- I really thought I was, I was voting for a party that would support the Liberals. Uh, I think if you, you thought that and you voted that way, you're dreaming in Technicolor. <laughs> we only have a minute left. What makes you so sure people don't want another election? Well, because the polls say that they don't want another election right now. Most people do not want to go right back to the polls. They don't want to spend the tens of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money to do that when there's a perfectly valid solution. 60% of the public voted for change. 57% voted for the Greens and the NDP. And that majority of MLAs wants to form a new government that the people voted for. That's why I think that. All right, Martin, thank you so much for spending the time with us this morning. I appreciate you coming on the show. That that is uh, Martin Brown, former B.C. Premier Gordon Campbell's long-serving chief of staff. Uh, He also has spent uh, many, many uh, years working as the B.C. Liberals' public campaign director. If you want to join the conversation, you can give the buzz line a call, 604-331-BUZZ, 604-331-2899. You can text or leave a voicemail message there. When we come back after a short break, we're going to check in with Andy Yan. He is the director of the city program at SFU, talking about big changes. Changes coming to Chinatown specifically and why there is so much pushback in that community. We'll take a look at that when we return. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.